Hello and welcome back, friends. This is Cindy Silva on the Metaphysical Wisdom Podcast. I'm here with Akajana. She is the co-founder of The Young Platform, one of my new favorite resources online for depth psychology. And today we're going to talk about heartbreak. And I'd uh, love to just have you come forward and say hello, Akajana, and uh, let us know why this topic is important to you and anything else you'd like us to know about you. Yes, well, thanks, Cindy. I, uh, I uh, really enjoy being here. I think the topic of heartbreak uh, is important for all of us. I've uh, personally dealt with many heartbreaks on my path. Uh, to a point that I thought really against my will, I feel like I've become an expert on the topic. Mm. And then I uh, decided to write a book about it and it's only published in Dutch, but uh, uh, that really helped me because in my coaching practice, I also noticed that a lot of people are dealing with heartbreak and somehow get stuck in the experience and don't dare to open their heart again. Uh, to live uh, to live life to the fullest. So I think it's an immensely important topic. Mm, yeah, I can feel your passion about it. Yeah. And uh, speaking about having published it in Dutch, where in the world are you? So people have a sense of. Yeah, where. so I uh, I live in Amsterdam, and uh, currently I'm visiting my brother who lives in Salt Lake City. So uh, I'm uh, currently in Salt Lake. Oh, welcome to the United yeah. States. I mean California. Yeah, so not too far. Yeah. Yeah. So this topic of heartbreak and um, what you shared, your own personal experiences, that's really common when we have a lot of experience in one area, we tend to show up as a guide for others. And you mentioned in your coaching practice, um, and is that your main uh, line of work, your life's work? Are you a therapist? I know you're into Jungian psychology. Give us a little background on your background. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a psychologist. I was a psychology uh, lecturer for a long time. And next I, uh, I uh, learned uh, about coaching and doing Jungian coaching. And I facilitated a lot of uh, certificate programs, but did a lot of life coaching myself uh, as well. Uh, and nowadays uh, I, uh, I uh, work at the Jung platform and uh, still facilitate uh, coaching programs. And I do have some coaching clients, but not too many because uh, the, the week is really too short for that. But uh, yeah, but I, I can see in, in the coaching practice that people so often come with heartbreak kind of experiences. You know, uh, I, also because I can see that heartbreak is a kind of experience that the pain is really experienced at a core level in at a strong bodily level. And that is not only experienced when you lose uh, or when the uh, relationship is ended, but also when you lose a partner because the person is dying or when a good friend is moving to another city far away, you can also feel like it's heartbreaking or when you have a desire for life um, that's unfulfilled. For example, I've coached clients that really wanted to become a parent, but for some reason, life didn't offer them children. And that was really a heartbreaking experience to them. So I think heartbreak can be experienced in many situations. So I think it's even impossible not to have your heart broken in life. Hmm. Yeah, because there are disappointments, right? We get attached to things and then we lose them through the natural impermanence of things. 
exactly, exactly. What I'm sensing though, that you're saying this, that heartbreak is a heart, there's an opening there, right? Yeah. And yeah. what, um, how do we hold space for the grief of heartbreak and also the perspective that there's a new uh, direction opening from that experience as well? Yeah, I, I love that question uh, because uh, uh, we all want to see the positive, of course, in, uh, in a heartbreak experience. And the painful element maybe is that uh, we, we want to go there as quickly as possible, mm -hmm. but it really takes time. And what I've seen is that people give themselves so short time or such a short space uh, to grieve properly. Mm -hmm. uh, and you cannot open your heart if you haven't grieved. So maybe it's not exactly like uh, there are certain steps and uh, only after step five or so uh, that your heart gets open. But we really need to open our heart for the grief first. Mm -hmm. Open our heart in the pain. And of course, this is, this is contrary to our evolutionary beings, because the moment that we experience hurt, we protect ourselves and maybe the mechanisms are already in pain so that, that we don't feel it too much. Mm. So the mechanisms that uh, help us to not experience the pain are super active in a heartbreak experience. And of course, we sense the pain, but still we have a tendency not to go there or push it away or uh, sometimes uh, people really jump in it and also say, I, I cry and I cry and I uh, and, and nothing happens. So uh, uh, um, uh, they feel like uh, they need to be uh, diving directly to the pain to get to the opening as quick uh, as possible. And uh, uh, that is uh, that is not the case. So I've uh, I've developed this idea over the years that there are really several invitations in heartbreak. Um, and if you take on those uh, invitations, then slowly over time, you gradually notice that your heart is getting more and more open and that newness of life can start to come through you because there has been some kind of clearing and opening uh, in the practice of taking on, on all those uh, invitations. Mm. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I love when you use the word evolution that really pinged something for me, like there's a biological evolutionary process happening simultaneously with this and that everyone's process is unique. Like there's no roadmap for it because the way it unfolds through us individually is a moment by moment experience, right? And to be present with what, what's there in the moment is the journey, is the, the what's being offered. Yeah. Totally, and you're saying really something very important there, uh, because people often feel very lonely in the experience of pain. Uh, that because it is so, it feels so so personal, and the experience is very personal and individual. And by the moment that you realize that this is part of being human, and that with the experience you're really belonging to the human family. It doesn't take away the hurt, but it does uh, help to relax a little because the moment that we feel isolated, that's sort of adding to the pain that we're already experiencing. So yes, the experience is very personal and in a strange way, it's also very impersonal because mm -hmm. as humanity, that's part of what is on our path. 
Mm, it's another great paradox. It is. I've, I've thought of that before. I think in situations like that where it seems overwhelming, you know, the, the experience so uh, immense that if I open up to the reality that other people in life have experienced this, it's almost like those, the field gets bigger. So the experience is held by something greater than myself, even though I'm not abandoning the process. I'm just asking for and inviting in other experiences of the same thing to have a, a greater capacity to withstand that intensity. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, uh, I like uh, what you're saying there, the, the connection to something bigger. I think uh, the moment that we feel that we belong somehow, we can immediately feel already what that does. And it, we can just sense that our body somehow comes, uh, comes to peace. Uh, we uh, sense that the connections with others uh, are uh, becoming more intimate even because we recognize each other in, uh, in the pain. And when you recognize your own uh, own pain in that way, you also become a little bit more compassionate towards yourself. So there's there's you can already see the potential of more love in the heartbreak experience that it's it's sort of presenting already. Because I think that is one of the uh, things that a proper heartbreak through the experience can bring to you that you love your life more deeply, that you love others more deeply, that you open your heart because you've you've learned through the process about who you are who others are what it means to be human mm -hmm. you can live more wholeheartedly so that is that is sort of the the overall invitation mm, yes i like that i see what you're saying living more wholeheartedly is like embracing the totality of who you are all these different aspects and to have really fully embody that you can have compassion for other people who have experienced it and have compassion for yourself. So that's really a, an empathic connection that we have with each other. Yes, because what, I, what I've seen is that somehow we have a tendency to judge ourselves in, uh, in the process when uh, we're in pain. Either uh, we feel like, uh, oh, I, uh, I should have moved on already. We have some kind of judgment over the time that it takes us uh, to grieve or if we for example um, feel betrayed by uh, our partner uh, we uh, we uh, might feel like yeah but that's because i'm stupid or i'm not uh, nice enough or uh, there uh, there's all these kinds of judgments so adding again to the pain there's all these self uh, judgments and when you become aware and really tend to what is happening in the moment that I'm experiencing pain, and you notice that all these judgments come up uh, and you become aware of it, there's an opportunity to be a little bit more friendly because the things that we're saying to ourselves are so incredibly mean, often, we would never say them uh, to a good friend. You know, we, we might say things to ourselves like, ah, that's really stupid. I, uh, uh, that is, uh, that is uh, so poor. That's, uh, well, you would never say it that way to a friend. So really developing some kind of friendly dialogue inside will help you move uh, or will help you deal with situations in life 
in a way that helps you to become a little bit more resilient because it doesn't really help to judge yourself or another. Mm. Get stuck in the process. Oh, that's wonderful. Reminds me of a book I read recently, Whole Brain Living by Jill Bolt-Taylor. She talks about the different quadrants of the brain and how we need to get them to communicate and come together in like this, she calls it a brain huddle where we can have compassion for different parts of our brain, like the, the reptilian part of the brain that carries the wounds and the fears, need to be able to get it to speak to the upper parts of the brain that are more loving parental sort of um, perspectives. So I feel like, yeah, that you're really tapping into that wisdom of how to um, acknowledge that different perspectives coexist and how to get them to come together in a way where we can see the bigger picture and address the situation from multiple perspectives. I like that. I like, uh, I like uh, also uh, the angle uh, uh, there because the moment that we judge parts of ourselves, and it's really easy to judge ourselves because we might be angry and, and you know that, that something has happened to us, it has broken our heart, and we might be really angry with the other person for breaking up with us or for behaving really poorly. And then we might, so the anger is there. And then on top of it, you might judge your own anger that you feel like you shouldn't be like that, or you might be revenge, if experiencing feelings of revenge and really uh, uh, getting uh, getting uh, in a loop there. And you notice you don't want to be there, but you are there. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you can never, um, or your being cannot evolve when there's all these judgments on top of it. And I, I like when you talk about different parts of your brain, because the judgments really come from a part of the brain that, and it's judging other parts of our being that are maybe a little bit more primitive. And certainly because they've been pressed down, they also, when they come to the surface, they, they are more raw and uh, uh, maybe a little bit more difficult to deal with because no one likes to see, uh, hey, I'm uh, really jealous here or I'm uh, really spiteful or uh, I uh, really hate my partner. You know that, uh, but, but first you need to be present with what is before you can change or come to a stage where life can be experienced differently, where there's also space for other kinds of uh, emotions. Mm. So yeah present really to what is what is happening is one of the invitations in heartbreak like can you notice what's going on which is of course an immense task because Ooh. most likely we don't like what's going on yeah it's a big it's a big shift it's a transitional opportunity from needing to control something to being open to learning yeah to uh, yeah, because yeah. we want it when, when there's pain, we want to be control so we don't have to experience more of that. Yeah. Instead of opening, we want to close. Yeah. And I, I like also when you're talking, what, because I see what you do with your body. And I think this is really how the body resonates, because uh, when we're in control, we're sort of in protection mode. And, and to be unguarded in life, unguarded, unprotected for the heart, that takes immense courage. And when your heart has just been broken, uh, that, that seems like a world away that, that it's never possible again to live with this open heart. 
yet I believe it is possible. Uh, there's just not a quick fix. Fix. Mm, yeah, that is kind of a radical uh, concept that when we have heartbreak that we want to um, open because the reflex is to protect, right? That uh, biological reflex you were talking about. But yeah. there's this other instinct that comes from a different part that this is an opportunity to open more fully to the opportunity of um, learning. And yeah. I like what you said before too about really, I feel like there's a paradox here with shadow. If we could talk about shadow a little bit. Um, because the, the, in the shadow, there's a tendency to be victim and to kind of go in and wallow in the victimization of, of the heartbreak, right? Yeah. And then there's this other shadow aspect of wanting to move on quickly and get to other things and not deal with it. So there's, you know, the shadow is working both ends. Yeah. Right. So how do we, how do we embrace the shadow and bring it into the middle way yeah so i like i like that question what i what you can see in uh, for example when you're in uh, in the middle of pain uh, when you uh, are in the experience of pain you can notice what might be going on for you and the ways that you might be used to protecting yourself so what i see that people often do is rationalize their feelings or disconnect a little from the feeling uh, the moment that it gets uncomfortable uh, uh, disconnect or people are super busy so they don't have to be with their feelings they're uh, always in uh, in some kind of uh, action uh, or just deny uh, that there's this immense uh, this intensity of uh, feelings so we have all kinds of ways in which we protect ourselves that are uh, there for a good reason and they are can be helpful Yet, if you want to move on, it is exactly those dynamics that are also in between us and positive experiences. So the moment that something really good happens, we might also have the tendency to rationalize, to disconnect a little. And not because we choose to do that consciously, but that's just the mechanism that we're used to. We live within that mechanism. We don't even know that there's maybe another mechanism that we can access as well because the other mechanism is outside conscious awareness and uh, is shadow material so so we make use of certain patterns that protect us from pain but also from the good experiences mm -hmm. uh, so there that is really interesting that it it has a good uh, it serves a purpose but uh, it also uh, withholds us from uh, from uh, really moving on mm. yes I'm kind of seeing that image as you're speaking of that, that um, there's an attenuation if that pattern is rigid, but if we can acknowledge and become aware of it, we can expand the circumference of it so we can feel a little bit more on both ends, right? And start yeah. to be more inclusive yeah. instead of exclusive in what we're willing to experience. Yes, and I, a psychologist called this the zone of stress tolerance. So we're wow. able to, de uh, to uh, deal with a certain amounts of stress. And if we can just stretch it a little, that zone, uh, that really uh, helps us. We've got, uh, we become more uh, resilient. And of course, you don't want to stretch it to the extreme, but uh, yeah. 
uh, just uh, increase it a little on the positive and the negative. It, it just goes hand in hand. It, it's, not it's not separated. Wow. I didn't know there was a, a name for that. Thank you. It makes me feel like the heartbreak is an opportunity for increasing your stress tolerance, right? Yes, definitely. And it's, and it's full of material uh, that you can learn about yourself because we have stories about our heartbreak. Mm -hmm. uh, and oftentimes it's some kind of storyline that's really similar to our childhood woundings. So we really want to look at the conclusions that we draw why this certain experience is on our path. So uh, uh, the other day I had a client and, uh, and she said, you know, I really feel like uh, uh, I'm uh, put at the side of the street being treated as garbage. Uh, you know, he didn't want it anymore. And there uh, off I go. And uh, he never looked at me uh, again. And uh, um, it was really important for her to see that that was not the intention of his behavior, but that that was her personal conclusion based on the fact that he said, I want to end this relationship. So we come with this storyline and often this is a result of a storyline uh, uh, that we uh, developed in our uh, childhood. That for some reason, our parents weren't able to love us the way that we needed to um or that we didn't feel good enough or maybe we didn't feel smart enough or we didn't feel we were the right person or maybe we feel that we shouldn't exist at all so really our childhood conclusions about who we are based on child a child's perspective on how the parents treat is what we repeat in heartbreak so the heartbreak offers really sort of an experience in which you can see uh, this is part of me. This is where my uh, experience of the past, I keep on repeating them because that's what we all do. You know, we, we and that's not our psyche is not putting us in these situations to haunt us, but really to give us an opportunity to become aware what yeah. storyline we're living. Totally. Yeah. No, that's so common, I think, with um, maybe being born into a family where parents aren't capable of loving right and then the child takes that personally like they're not lovable and they don't realize you can't from that perspective realize that it's the parents that aren't capable of loving it's not you that aren't isn't lovable but yeah. that story gets carried right yeah to our your relationships as you say and then you keep getting that pattern to help you see that it wasn't you that's not lovable but that it is so hidden and deep, it's hard to get at. So it's helpful to have someone that can hold space for yeah. that, to yeah. um, ask the right questions. Yes, uh, and, and for, for example, there in my own life, uh, so my father died when I was eight and somehow this has impacted my, heart, my life in heartbreaks on many, on many, uh, um, on many occasions. And I had this pattern of unavailable men. Uh, and even before I knew where they were unavailable, my heart had already opened. And I never understood why. And I did understand that somehow it related most likely to the loss of my father, but I couldn't really connect the dots. 
so uh, in my 20s, I, uh, I was in love with this uh, person. And for some reason, I, I couldn't let go. <clears throat> and I think it's taken me 10 years ago or so to let go. I wasn't seeing this person anymore. Uh, but he kept on uh, showing up in uh, in my dreams and uh, in my dreams uh, I was uh, again in the situation uh, where I'd known him until one moment really after 10 years I said goodbye to him in the, in the dream and I never had that experience anymore and that really coincided with a part in my life that I had decided to commit to someone else but that had taken me 10 years. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to, uh, to continue uh, that story. I fell in love with another uh, uh, man and uh, he was uh, unavailable uh, as well. And it was really like there's, there's such a striking pattern here. It's, it's almost a copy. Different person, somewhat different dynamics, but really the pattern, it's, it's, it's a repetition uh, all over. Uh, and of course, I also had to let go of him. That was uh, inevitable. Mm -hmm. And then one night I dreamt, I was with my father in the hospital and uh, he was saying, and the doctor said, well, you're about to die. And uh, I embraced my father in the dream and I felt that the body was already cold. And it uh, freaked me out, but I, uh, I uh, still uh, attached to him and didn't let go. Mm. And it was really when I woke up, when I realized this is what I've been doing for a long time. I've been holding, I've, I've been unable to let go. And I hang on even when the time has passed already. It was already time to let go. Mm. I couldn't let go. It was just like the, the young child that wasn't able to let go of her father at age eight. I had been repeating in my love life several times. But that, that's taken years to, to sort of uncover that thread that mm -hmm. what had been in my heartbreaks. There was the part of, you know, the history of heartbreak shows up as well. And it was an opportunity to revisit the experience of loss. And also I did a ritual to let go of my father separately from letting go of that particular man. And that really helped, but like, like you say, it's we're all uh, informed in our behavior and driven by motives in our life that are outside our awareness. And it takes ages before we recognize what it actually is. Mm, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that very personal experience. Yes. I'm sure it's going to be helpful for many people. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think not to mention that maybe that was carried through the lineage too. It could be a pattern that goes back further than your own personal um, life, right? I love that you pick up on that. Yeah, that is certainly the case. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I think the family history, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's all there as well. And it's, of course, interesting to see how did my father deal uh, with the heartbreaks and how did my mother deal with heartbreaks? And uh, uh, that was uh, sort of the starting point of my own uh, heartbreaks and uh, how uh, I had, I, I was really forced to develop those skills uh, throughout life because I had a ridiculous amount of heartbreaks. Mm, but look at what you're doing with it. You're helping people, see? I feel like, you know, the um, Imago work? 
you know what Mago is, the relationship therapy, or it's yeah. a mirror where you attract a partner who is going to bring up your wounds so you can heal them. I feel like there's an Imago in our life's work in relationship to the family of origin that we choose. It's like the family of origin is going to give us the exact wounding and experiences we need. So when we face those wounds, we come to our life's work. Yeah. I feel like that my family of origin was definitely an Imago for my life's work. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I can see that for uh, my own uh, life as well. That uh, probably uh, the best uh, training ground uh, for a psychologist, and to pay attention to the feelings because there was so little attention uh, in uh, in the start of my life for feelings. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you another question about shadow, and I'm not sure if this will dovetail into heartbreak or not, but. Um, since I just attended a workshop with you on Sunday on shadow, which I loved and the exercises you shared with us were just really impactful. But I have this question, like, you know, when we say namaste in yoga, and it means the divine light within you is the divine light within me. And when we come together in that acknowledgement, we're one. Yeah. I have this sense that there is only one light yeah, and we're all expressions of that. I feel like I wonder if there's just one shadow and we're all expressing one version of the same shadow. Like we each have our own relationship to shadow. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you have a shadow and I have a shadow, just like you have light and I have a light. But I sense at a deeper level that there's just one shadow and our unique life experience in relationship to that makes it appear that there's multiple shadows. I wonder if you've ever come across anything in relationship to that topic. I like the question and it's, uh, it's also a, a sort of new question to me. So I, I can give my thoughts about it that haven't been properly processed. Yeah. No, this is just spontaneous fun. Yeah, yeah. so I think there is, um, if if we really make it to, to some kind of basic that there's the expression, the, the light is really a, an, a, an expression of, uh, of love and that the shadow is, uh, is destruction. Uh, and uh, that those are uh, sort of uh, the two uh, parts or the dynamic in, uh, in life, uh, uh, creation uh, versus uh, destruction, and they go hand in hand. And uh, of course, there's always a dance between them and, uh, and uh, uh, the interaction. So I would say the divine is, uh, is the creation or the love, and then the shadow is, uh, is the destruction. And, and when we're putting it like destruction and creation, you can already see they, they belong together. The one, the one cannot go without the other. Um, so I don't know if if it's then one or that that. Yeah, I I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hear myself. I'm not sure either. But I just yeah. the question has come up and it came up again during the workshop for me, yeah. and um, just wanting to get ask a few people who um, really enjoy the topic of shadow and have some direct experience with it to see if that resonates. But I like what you're talking about yin and yang, because I work yeah. a lot with that in my yeah. yang practice. And yes, it, I do see it as creation and destruction. And yet 
um, the symbol, uh, the, it's called the Tai Chi symbol, but people call it the yin yang symbol. There's a little of each in both, right? So there's creation and destruction are happening simultaneously. Yeah. And, yeah. And of course, we have a judgment over the destruction, most uh, destruction uh, uh, actions or uh, behaviors or thoughts we're not particularly fond of because we, we prefer <laughs> creation. Yeah. Yeah. But what's fun and what's bringing us back to full circle is that heartbreak is an experience of creation and destruction, right? Yeah. It's definitely a, a process of uh, of uh, of death and rebirth. It's, uh, letting go of uh, of your old self and uh, allowing a, a new part of your being uh, come to light. And we have to let go. And of course, we have to let go of a person, but we can still keep the memory and we can still love the person. I think it's quite essential in letting go to keep on loving the person, because the moment that you say, I need to stop loving this person that I need to let go, you already feel like, oh, I'm clinging on to the person because I, I don't want to stop loving. So really allow yourself to uh, keep on loving uh, what was and uh, who has been. And also keep loving uh, the old self. Uh, but also uh, uh, display some love for your uh, for your future self that's uh, waiting uh, to appear in uh, in your life, and uh, start making uh, some uh, space for it. Mm. Yeah, I like that. You know, part of um, acknowledging. I think for me, one of the most liberating things is acknowledging um, my helplessness in terms of changing other people. <laughs> right like when we acknowledge that we're helpless in changing another then that's empowering in some unique it is way. it is and it empowers because also the body there feels like relaxing because if you're trying to help and you're action oriented and you're really trying to do something for the other and you get frustrated because the other person is not moving along or not in the way that you want the person to move along and then the moment that you realize yes but it's not my responsibility or or you have you have your life and that's your right to do with it what you want. <sighs> I can sort of sink back, connect with myself again and, uh, and really tune in what's needed for me. Wow, you said something really powerful there. It's just connect back with myself, right? That's always yes. coming back to that connection and stabilizing there. The core stability of being connected to self is I think what can help you be rooted, you know, like a tree when the wind is blowing, it's not blowing over because its roots are sinking yeah. into that connection to self is that sinking into the root system of stability. Yeah, and I would uh, would expect, but uh, you know uh, that better that the Qigong is uh, also about uh, about staying centered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, connecting to both forces of yin and yang, heaven and earth, and being an instrument through which they both flow. Yeah. And uh, sometimes we're more yin, sometimes we're more yang, but we have this ability to adapt to the moment, to, to what's needed in the moment. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And that, of course, is also what Carl Jung meant with the individuation process, becoming whole, because we have a tendency to be identified 
only with part of our being and uh, sort of uh, ignore or neglect the other part that is also us. And I, uh, I love that Eastern practices really have an embodied way of uh, uh, bringing that process uh, in uh, or come to life. And uh, I, I really like that. Yeah, it brings the playfulness out and, and innocence. And it's about, um, you know, effortlessness, not using excessive force, which we're con conditioned to do. And we do so often without realizing how yeah. we use um, a lot of more energy than is required for the situation. And I think with heartbreak, as we kind of touched on it, we use a lot more energy when we are confronted with something like that than necessary and it blocks the flow of what's actually, um, I wanna say dying, yeah, reborn. Yeah. 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 And of course the process of psychological death uh, is immense and that often shows up in people's dreams as, uh, as actual death and then people ask me like uh, in the middle of the heartbreak I dreamt that I died uh, will I now die well let's uh, look at it symbolically and uh, and uh, what what part of you needs to die or what part is it's time that maybe has died already uh, and what needs to what needs to be part of the past and recognized and valued but what's part of the past and also then, then if we let go of something, then there is this stage, and I, I for a long time called that the boring stage, you know, after a heartbreak, once you've worked your way through these intense emotions, that you feel very alive when that happens. You, you might not like it, but you feel very alive. And then there's this phase or this stage of, uh, of grayness, of nothingness, and I called it boring, but probably boring is uh, not doing uh, really... Uh, justice to what's happening on the psychological uh, level because the birth of something new is in uh, is uh, yeah. being prepared and it's uh, it's not visible yet and you might not even be able to sense it yet but if you if you manage to um uh, be be in the moment and just continue with life take on new things because the brain likes being uh, learning and adapting to the new situation. So if you're somewhat uh, active and uh, you just uh, stay with uh, the feeling of uh, of uh, not knowing what comes next, then after a while new uh, new elements of yourself or you start developing some kind of fantasies or you, you, you have these um, daily imaginations and so you see something like, ha, ah, there's a spark there. And then you notice, ah, there's something being reborn or I am being reborn uh, but uh, uh, I always find uh, that middle stage personally super difficult and I also uh, I tell my clients that not to give up because you that's that's when people sometimes give up like oh I, I did all this work and now uh, life is uh, pale and it, it didn't bring me uh, something or not the thing that I hoping for and again, time is your friend in uh, dealing with uh, grief and uh, time itself does not do the trick. You need to do inner work with it as well. But time will will help you heal. It does not heal itself. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's so important to, to go through the full cycle. Like it's like saying um, I'm going to go try living out east and only living there six months and experiencing spring and summer and not experiencing fall and winter. And then you can yeah. know what it's like to live there. Yeah. 
what I like, you know, what you're saying is that in the fall and the winter season of our creativity, our creative cycle, it seems everything's dormant, nothing's happening, but underground, there's a tremendous amount of turning over. And in the spring, when those, uh, that the creative juices that have been fermenting, if you will, underground start to come up from the subconscious to the conscious, there is like an abundance of ideas. It's hard to even land on one because there's so many options for me anyway, my creative cycle. And I do experience a little bit of melancholy in the winter season of my creative cycle, but I've come to um, enjoy that feeling and to find the right music to be with that feeling because I know what's coming is a springtime where I'm gonna be so busy with new ideas that I'm just resting in that winter season because I know I'm gonna need it like a bear hibernating. Yeah, oh, I like uh, I like that a lot, and uh, also uh, because you mentioned, I started to love that feeling, and I think, in general, loving your way through life is uh, is uh, probably uh, the best advice uh, that a person uh, can uh, give you. But also love your way through a heartbreak experience, because if you can somehow come to terms and start to love that this has been on your path your heart really breaks uh, open. And I, I like that you notice that you, you, you that you start loving the stages that, well, I, I clearly uh, 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 struggle with, like uh, when I call it boring, that is uh, actually just hiding that it's struggle for me. Because mm -hmm. if I knew how to deal with it, I wouldn't call it boring, then I would just do it or be with it. I wouldn't have such a strong uh, judgment. But really loving that stage and, and becoming familiar with uh, the feelings, what you're doing, and, uh, and uh, also uh, recognize that uh, ah, the next season will also come, so it won't be forever. Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds like, uh, like a, a very uh, uh, pleasant way to be with, with that part of the experience. Mm. Yeah, thank you. It, it helps for sure, because I realize anytime I'm avoiding anything, I'm not free. Yeah. Because we're trying to control when we're yeah. avoiding. So um, to, to not be seeking something or avoiding something is to be free to experience what is. Yeah. And I realized all my seeking was to eventually come to a place where I was no longer seeking. So I realized that was only going to happen in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and I still have to keep reminding myself <laughs> yeah yeah I think the moment you know when we're seeking we're not in the moment and uh and uh, the lessons uh, or uh, what's there in the moment uh, goes lost on us yes yeah so uh seeking uh the the, the state of seeking uh, well we can all, all relate to it uh that uh that uh that we hope to find answers, that we hope to be in the next stage. Yeah. How yeah, that, that carrot on the string, right? That is, yeah. I don't know about in your culture, your part of the world, but here it's like we're programmed, conditioned to seek something better in the future. Yeah. And I think that really gets in the way of um, embracing heartbreak and the benefits of it by seeking something better in the future 
and we're always comparing what we're experiencing to something else that could be feel better emotionally, probably. Yeah. Uh, or in my in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And the moment that we say, oh, I don't like it, I'd like to feel differently. Uh, anytime you're after a quick fix uh, or seeking something else, you know that there's some kind of protection mechanism active because mm. you don't want to be where you are. Yes. Uh, so uh, seeking is, uh, is uh, for something else or developing is uh, really being in, uh, at odds with yourself or uh, struggling with your own nature that you feel like this is not good or not good enough or it should be different. Uh, it's uh, it's really almost a rejection of uh, of your own nature and with it probably nature itself. Mm. And then what we learned in our shadow work um, was that that protection mechanism is also has its value, right? It probably got us to where we are. It helped us survive yeah. a lot of things, but it's not the right tool for every situation. Exactly. And it might be the right tool for 95% of the situations uh, that you encounter. That is quite good to be a little bit protected in the world. Uh, however, it is often the thing that is really helping us, that is getting us in a place of stuckness when we do too much of it. So uh, uh, if we, uh, if we uh, uh, once in a while, it's okay not to feel your feelings or to, uh, to rationalize your feelings a little. For example, if, uh, if you're at your workplace, you're trying to do something, you have this intense emotion, you notice it's there, you quickly disconnect from it uh, for a little to only tend to it uh, uh, later. That might be uh, quite uh, good and productive. And uh, certainly if, uh, if the workplace isn't a, a particular safe space for emotions, it is, uh, it is good that you're protected there. But if you don't have a, uh, uh, if, if you don't, or, or if you're not able to, uh, to put that in place or not put it in place when you want, you're always protected and not feeling. And then it becomes really a hindrance between you and experience of life. So just knowing it's there and sort of having the capacity to, to put it in place when you want it and not put it in place when you don't want it mm -hmm. from an aware point of view, that, that gives freedom. And I think that's, that's what shadow works uh, gives. It, it gives a lot of freedom. It gives us options. We're no longer stuck that, ah, there's this situation in life and this is the way I deal with it. But there's more options at your, uh, at your uh, disposal. So uh, you can use more. It's mm. great, that's great. Uh, I just remember, I'm gonna look at the time and see how we're doing, but a time in my life where I was really overprotected and uh, I had a dog that would just, bark, you know, excessively at anything that came to the house. And I mean, it was really over the top. So I had this little, um, you know, creature outside my body in my waking dream, every lie, every day of my life, protecting me excessively, you know? And then when I really came to um, see that pattern, that shadow pattern of overusing that tool and worked with it and, um, got it to acquiesce a little bit the the dog was no longer in my life for natural reasons so I, I felt that that was very symbolic 
Oh, I love that. I love that example because that so well shows and illustrates inner dynamics and, uh, and shadow work. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and also nice that you recognized it as, as, hey, there might be something. What is this situation that I'm in? What is it revealing about who I am and how I'm showing up in life and how I am maybe protecting myself and alert on, 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 yeah, on super alert modus? Yeah. 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 Every dog I've ever had has had some kind of neurosis, to be honest. I don't have a dog right now, but if I, if I got one, I'd be curious to see what showed up. Yeah. 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 I'm, I, I don't have a dog, but I, uh, I really like this, uh, like this example. And of course, it's also with the people that we attract in life. The, the real basic question is what do they mirror back to us that we're not aware of yet? And certainly if we have strong response to them that we don't like others, ah, there's definitely shadow material. Or when we're in love, that's also shadow material because the other person, we see, we see the God or the goddess in the other, uh, which is really part of our own divine nature that we're projecting on the other. So from a, from a union point of view, being in love and projecting on the other is less romantic it still happens and we feel like we really see it because the other is this divine creature and we're amazed by it and we have the, all this positive effect going towards the other uh, but yeah that is uh, that is also interesting like what is this person showing back to me that i don't know yet mm. and I'll, I'll say one more thing and then leave it um hand it to you to share anything you'd like to say last words but you're bringing us back to the yin and the yang like for me the inner marriage the anima animus is more uh, accurate terms for Jungian, but that when that mar inner marriage of yin and yang these forces within us are balanced we tend to i've experienced attract more of that into our lives and when it's that relationship is out of balance or out of sync in some way where one is dominating the other, we, we see patterns come continually into our life that reflect that. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. So how would you like to um, wrap things up? Is there anything that you'd like to share that didn't get shared? And how can people reach you if they'd like to work with you, if you're accepting clients or give us some ideas of what that might look like? Yeah. Um, well, I think the overall thing when people are dealing with a heartbreak, give yourself uh, some time and, uh, and take it as an opportunity to learn about yourself, about uh, the ways that you're protecting yourself in life, to learn about your childhood woundings, uh, to reflect on the way you deal with your emotions, how, how, you, how you regulate maybe your own emotional life if you are connected to your body. It's an opportunity to, to develop self-compassion and it's an opportunity for, uh, for uh, transformation. So I like asking the question, what would my future self like? Uh, uh, how I deal with my heartbreak right now? And then what, what is sort of giving me some kind of inspiration and it's just 
a, a, a sign. It's not the dance destination, but you move towards that destination. And of course, then you see what, uh, what uh, will emerge in your life uh, by itself. So uh, uh, that is uh, really for, uh, for the heartbreak. T take the opportunity. Don't rush your way through it. Try to love your way through it, because if you love your way through it, there is the opportunity of opening your heart or you're doing that in the process. You can embrace life more as it comes. And I think we all as human beings have sort of the same desires and to love life. I think uh, if, we, if we can love life and really everything that's part of our path, then, uh, then we're uh, super happy. Mm. Yeah. That's so powerful. Thank you for that. That really sums it up. And another piece that came in is what I'm hearing you say is taking time to go through heartbreak is kind of like taking time to fall out of love. And it's the same as falling in love to take time. Don't rush through it. Don't rush into it. Learn about yourself as you go through it. I feel like there's they could go together in a way. Yeah, and love you. Start loving yourself more deeply, even uh, even when you come uh, across all these uh, things in yourself that you struggle with. That's the opportunity uh, where to practice love. Mm. It sounds simple, but it's quite a task. Yeah, it's probably the most important point that we could make and yeah. share. How about working with you? Yes. Experience. Uh, thanks for asking that question. Uh, yeah, people can reach me in, uh, at uh, Akashana at Jung Platform. So jungplatform.com is, uh, is our, uh, uh, is our uh, uh, platform. Uh, and uh, I, uh, my email address is on there as well. I, oh, it will, of course, be shown as well. I, I have this unusual name, even for Dutch people. My name is quite unusual, so I have a tendency to write it down, but it will be uh, written uh, somewhere. I'll put it in the description. Great. So it's just akazane at youngplatform.com. Okay, excellent. Well, I really thank you for your time and uh, I know that you're very busy with all of the offers that you're putting out in the world. And I'm really grateful for the Young Platform resource and all the really high quality content and faculty that you share. Thank you for oh, putting that together. Well, thank, thank you for inviting me. And I, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, the questions you asked. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Great. Thank you all for tuning in and um, making time for this today in your life. I hope it's been helpful. Um, you can in, look in the description for Akajana's email address and her website and uh, reach out to her. She can be helpful if you're dealing with heartbreak or know someone who is. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.